Welcome to Health Media Now with award-winning author and host, Denise Messenger, for a lifetime of health empowerment. Live by being in the pink, meaning P stands for being persistent, I stands for using your intuition, N stands for networking, and K stands for obtaining knowledge. Our guests entertain and share cutting-edge information. They share with you what may have taken years to achieve through experience in their field. Become inspired and motivated. Reach your full potential with fascinating tips and products. Receive a lifetime of benefits from authors, doctors, practitioners, healthcare providers, and learn about exciting new products. You asked for it, and we deliver. Now, here's your host, Denise Messenger. Welcome, listeners. So glad that you're able to join us today, which is March 7th. 2018. Our guest today is Jared Fisher, Ph.D. A.B.N., and we're going to be talking about an absolutely wonderful children's book called My Dad Got Hurt, What Can I Do? And the reason this was written is to help military children cope with a brain-injured parent. Now, to give you a little background on Dr. Fisher, he's a forensic neuropsychologist. He has over three decades of experience in his professional career, and this includes the founding of innovative businesses, collaborative works, articles, publications, consultations, and speaking engagements. He's also a leader and he supports many communities uh, relative to their projects, their charities, and he's very active in the National Academy of Neuropsychology. He continues to foster innovation in his second year as the chair of the National Academy of Neuropsychology Foundation. He says that his primary goal is to expand knowledge of the foundation's mission to a larger community of people and especially those in the military. And with that, we would like to um, have Gerald Fisher join us now. Welcome, Gerald. Oh, thank you so much. Nice to be on your show. Yeah, it's it's great. Um, We've... uh, done a, a wonderful introduction uh, about your book, My Dad Got Hurt, and What Can I Do? And uh, I usually like to ask my guest, how did you get on the path that you're on today? In other words, where did it all start? Did you know that you wanted to do this work when you were younger, or did it just evolve? Well, that's a great question. Um, I think, you know, I'm a neuropsychologist in my day job. And I, I, don't, I never really had any idea what a neuropsychologist was, actually, until I completed college and uh, started uh, my graduate studies and realized uh, in my studies as a psychologist that I really needed to know a lot more about the brain to really be a good diagnostician, which is what I always wanted to do. I always uh, wanted to be good at evaluating what was wrong with people and uh, understand in depth, you know, if it was something that was going on in their brain, if it was something psychological. So that all led to my career as a neuropsychologist. 
And at the same time, I had a real interest in always informing and educating the public about the things that we talked about in our scientific journals. And that eventually led me to, uh, to chairing the National Academy of Neuropsychology Foundation, which is a not-for-profit organization, really with the major focus of teaching people about the human brain. And I took that interest and coupled it with my interest in supporting the military and had the idea that we should write this book and make it free to the military uh, members who had sustained brain injuries in combat or in other kinds of activities and make it available to their children because brain injury is not a well-understood problem in this country. And uh, certainly the children of our military are like collateral damage. Mom or dad goes off to war, goes off to, to fight for us, gets a brain injury, comes home a different person, and the child is left wondering, you know, did I do something wrong? Why, why is dad so irritable and angry? Why, why does mom not want to do the things with me she used to? So kind of a long-winded answer, but, you know, it, uh, I've, been, I've been at this for a long time, and uh, that's what no, led me a, to writing the book. It's, it's a great answer. It really is. Uh, well, what age you. group are you, um, is your audience for your book? Targeting the age group about 6 to 12, um, so it's a broad range. We, we, we was sort of see the book as a conversation starter. So the, the person, the parent who hasn't had the brain injury, can use the book as a way or a tool to begin a conversation with their child about, you know, why the injured parent isn't the way they were before. It's an incredibly complex situation. Um, oh, there's so God, many dynamics yes. involved in, in the family structure, let alone having, you know, this, a disability. Literally, it's a disability. Um, it. It is, but it's one that's not often seen. It's often not a a visible disability. It's funny, I was working on a case today, a a criminal case in Long Island or in Manhattan, and the uh, attorney who was defending the young man who had had a very severe brain injury was saying to me, you know, you really can't see that there's anything wrong with him if you just look at him. So it's not like when somebody has an amputation or they have some other kind of visible paralysis. Brain injuries are invisible, largely. Uh, because it's it's what's going on inside the head with those millions of neurons that get damaged, and so it's, it's even more difficult because people look at mm-hmm. the person and say, "Well, geez, you look like you always did." Mm-hmm. How do you how do you separate um, the uh, post traumatic stress uh, injuries from traumatic brain injuries? It's a great question. I'm, I'm clearly some people have traumatic brain injuries that are so severe that there's no question that they had a significant injury because you can see it on a brain scan or you can see it in terms of other things like loss of consciousness for prolonged periods of time. Uh, Where it becomes more nebulous, as you're asking, is when the injuries are not uh, immediately apparent. For instance, those who uh, have been exposed to blast injuries in combat. And a lot of times the blast injuries don't produce immediate damage to the brain that can be seen on a scan. But as you just pointed out, you can have combination of traumatic stress reactions along with brain injuries that are more subtle but nevertheless significant. Uh, And the way that we separate those things out is one to look carefully at what the diagnostic data show like the scans and then to evaluate the person and to look at what happened to them and evaluate you know was the stress one that would rise to the level of being traumatic? Certainly when it comes to combat that's an easy answer. Of course it is. And, and so there are many variables that go into making these diagnostic judgments, and our veterans often come home with both. You know, they often come home 
with post-traumatic stress disorders and brain injuries and oh often are not geez. always diagnosed, you know, accurately. That would be really difficult. I mean, you would need a really, really good uh, a physician to confer with an expert like yourself to determine. Yes. It's clearly a, it's a, it's a team effort and it takes a mm-hmm. number of different specialties to appreciate the kinds of injuries that people sustain. Again, you know, we see a lot of civilian injuries, but my interest in writing the book was mainly with our veterans uh, because we made the book available to them for free uh, because we wanted obviously just to do something to give back because they make so many sacrifices. And certainly these sacrifices are very significant. You know, it's it's uh, significant enough that they give their lives mm-hmm. or they give parts of their body, but to lose your, your, your thinking skills, it's very difficult to remedy those problems for people many times. Uh, do they have, uh, do the veterans within their, the network of the VA have access to uh, uh, physicians of this nature? They do. There are neuropsychologists, uh, very good ones, that work in, in the networks. There's probably not enough of them. There never are. Um, but certainly we were told when we got the idea to write this book that it was filling a void, which kind of surprised me uh, that there wasn't already a book out there that was written by experts like us who understood brain injuries targeted towards children whose parents had these injuries. So I think that, you know, no matter how much we have in the way of resources, we never have enough. And, uh, you know, that was really why we decided to do this, because uh, it was filling a void that had not, as far as we could tell, been filled. Yeah. Well, it's it's a wonderful, wonderful book. You want to talk about the uh, contents? Oh, certainly. Love to. Uh, You want me to give a little overview of it? Yes, I think that would be uh, very beneficial to our listeners. Well, first, let me just give credit to uh, Valerio Mazzoli, who is a actual, he's a uh, a creative artist with Disney Studios in Orlando. And we were very, very fortunate to have Valerio do all the illustrations for the book. Uh, And so I want to give a shout out to him and also to Brunella Kostiologia, who was essentially the author. I was more the editor of the book. I brought in all the expert content, but she did most of the writing. So First, just want to give them credit where credit is due. And then to tell you a little bit about the book, uh, it really is a, a story that, that we set the scene at the beginning of the book about a family that we call the Smith family. And, uh, you know, you see them having all the wonderful things that they're doing as a family before their father goes off for military service, having a barbecue, playing games, things that families do. And then, in the course of the story, he, he's called off to war and goes off and stays in touch with his family, always away by Skype, uh, and, uh, you know, talks about the tenderness that they share while he's away. And then he's in an accident while he's serving overseas. Uh, an explosive device goes off. He has a brain injury, and the story talks about that a little bit. And then he comes home, and, of course, the children, there are two children in the story, they're so excited that dad has come home, so is mom, so is the dog in the story. We have, we have a, a cute uh, dachshund, the family dog. And he comes home, but he's not the same guy. And, and so the story then focuses on how he's different, particularly that he's more irritable and short-tempered. His personality is different. And it focuses on how the children 
are so perplexed and upset and they wonder what they've done wrong. You know, maybe I didn't eat my vegetables or maybe I didn't straighten my room the way dad wanted me to. And then we introduced this fun character uh, that we, we wanted the brain to be a character that wasn't intimidating. So uh, we came up with an image of the brain and we called him Mr. Brain. And Mr. Brain in the story then uh, works along with a neuropsychologist, Dr. Johnson, uh, and she and Mr. Brain then educate the children about what happened to dad's brain and why he's different. And so they spend some time then teaching the children about how an injury to the frontal lobes, which is where dad's injury occurred, how it changes your personality. And then in the latter part of the book, we look at issues about how the children can cope better. And so Mr. Brain, uh, standing before his easel, teaches the children uh, a mnemonic that we call the seven C's. And the seven C's are essentially, and I can go through them if you want, but let me just say now in summary, that the seven C's are essentially a mnemonic or seven empowering statements for the children to remind themselves that they're not the cause of dad's problem or mom's problem. They can't control it. They can't cure it. But there are things they can do, like communicate and make good choices and celebrate themselves to help them and help their parent who's injured get, get as along the way as far as possible with this injury. And so the story uh, comes to a conclusion talking about the seven C's and, uh, you know, the fact that the children feel somewhat better. Obviously, they're not, there's mm-hmm. no miracle cures, but they feel somewhat yeah. better that, that uh, you know, they've been given this information uh, from, doc, from Mr. Brain and Dr. Johnson. Yeah, I, I would think as a parent, you probably would uh, benefit by making some index cards to give to the children with the seven on them, you know, the seven C's yes. on them. Oh, yeah, agreed. No, because I think the children, you know, to read the story and hear it is one thing, but to actually to know them and to practice mm-hmm. them, I agree mm-hmm. with you, would be a important. It's a, I think it's an important therapy tool. Uh, and we actually were, were the, the idea for the seven C's actually came from the Moyer Foundation, which is a, another large not-for-profit nationwide that helps children whose parents have substance abuse problems. And, you know, of course, the seven C's in that circumstance weren't really any different than the seven C's having a parent with a brain injury. You know, they're, they're the same kinds of dynamics that families have to deal with when one person Why? Why, why are they closely related? Well, because with the, with the, with the drug-addicted parent, they have many behavior changes that can mm-hmm. be very disruptive to a family, as, as you may know. And with a brain-injured parent, uh, there are also many behavior changes. Because in the end, you know, with people with brain injuries and their family members, they'll tell you it's not the changes in memory or thinking skills, the changes in behavior. Those are the things that are most disruptive because personalities change. And often they don't change for the positive. And those are things that are so much more difficult. You know, it's one thing if you're forgetful because you have a brain injury. Well, there's all kinds of devices now to help you remember and help you essentially have a, uh, a prosthetic memory. But there are very few ways that I can fix your irritable, moody personality. It's not as easy to fix. And it has a much more profound impact on your family and you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, how, do, how does the uh, temper play into this? 
Well, essentially, the yeah, I know. I, I understand your question. I talk a lot mm-hmm. about the temper changes. So when you said that, you cued me right into my thoughts about that, which are that the the human brain, basically, your frontal lobes, not to get too deep in the weeds here, but the frontal lobes are the largest portion of your brain. Uh, they're the part that obviously are on the front of your brain, uh, 60% of your cortical volume. So the whole area behind your eyes and going back towards the back of your head, called the frontal lobes. And that, those, that frontal lobes are really the seed of everything that makes us human, very creative and, and thoughtful and planful. I mean, that's how we make spaceships and build things and design things. The frontal lobes also have another job, which is to basically control our impulses and to give us moral guidance and authority. So when we're growing up and we're getting disciplined and we're learning right from wrong, our frontal lobes are the area of the brain that get that programming. And so what happens when somebody has damage to the frontal lobes, if it's in the area specifically where those uh, abilities reside, what happens is then that the person loses the capacity to control those impulses the way they did before. So they may become more aggressive. They act out more. I mean, I mean, there are many things that happen that then make them difficult sometimes to get along with people or work or live in society the way they did before. And sometimes they get into trouble with the criminal justice system. That case I was telling you about today, young man, terrible brain injury, never had a problem with criminal justice before, and then committed two felonies subsequent to getting a very significant brain injury because mm-hmm. – of his frontal lobe injury. Oh, that's sad. So, so, yeah, it is. It's very sad. And, and so that's the part of your brain that often is most susceptible to getting damage because it's right in the front of your head. And mm-hmm. yet it's the most important uh, in so many mm. ways. Mm. That area isn't better protected. <laughs> you know, you're so right about that. When you look at the architecture of the brain, it, it, you know, in the way that the, the brain evolved, Unfortunately, those parts of the brain that made us most human are the areas that are that are newest, and so therefore they're least protected. Uh, and so, you know, when you have a traumatic injury to your brain, whether it's from a blast or a fall or a car accident, however you you want to architect the injury, those areas get damaged most likely. And so, there are very mm-hmm. characteristic kinds of changes we see in people because those areas of the brain are most vulnerable. Mm-mm. What is the uh, healing process for these types well, of injuries? Yeah. yeah, with a traumatic brain injury, uh, depending on how significant it is, you know, with a concussion, typically people get better. Um, if they have many concussions, then that's a different story, as you've probably seen, like with the, the football league, the NFL. Uh, with more severe brain injuries, where there's a prolonged loss of consciousness, people are in a coma, they have bleeding in their brain, the recovery is often much more rocky and difficult to predict. If there's anything I've learned, having done this for many years, it's that we only have for understanding outcome. We don't really know exactly. I mean, I've seen people wake up from a coma after 18 months and go on to have a decent life. Not, no, not the life they had before, but who would have predicted at 17 and a half months that that person was ever going to wake up and have any kind of meaningful life afterward. So yeah, I have learned true. to be, you know, so yeah. So you learn to be a little tempered, tempered in your predictions mm-hmm. about, well, you know, you have to keep hope alive, but mm-hmm. I will tell you that typically after a very severe brain injury, you are not going to be the person you were before. And we often, we actually wrote a play about this many years ago called goodbye me. Hello me. 
And in the play, which we actually performed for James and Sarah Brady, you know, the former press secretary to Ronald Reagan, who had a very significant brain injury, he came to town and we put this play on for him. But in the play, the whole thesis of the play was that one way that you have to adjust to a severe brain injury is to rewrite your resume because you're not that person anymore. And if you keep telling yourself that you're going to be who that person was that you were before you got hurt, you're always going to feel unhappy and sad because you're not that person now. You're somebody else. And that somebody else is also a very lovable person. It can also do very important and good things in life. But you need to let go of the, the old image and move to the new one. And that was the thesis of our play. And it's also something that we often tell our patients to, you know, obviously uh, consider. Uh, otherwise, there's a, quite a bit of depression and, and a disappointment that will occur. And for the families as well. Yeah. I had a... a a really good friend whose whose son was found in an alleyway with severe um, brain injury. And, um, you know, there, uh, that was, uh, he was taken to UCLA in, in Los Angeles. Yes. And they literally cut off the top of his head because the brain was swelling so much. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. They do that because, you know, and this is, and that's how they actually prevent you from dying because when mm-hmm. the brain swells like that, if you don't take the top of the head off, then the brain basically goes the only direction it can, which is out towards the brain stem, and it kills the person. So mm-hmm. you know that you're – he had a – obviously, that was a very significant brain injury. Did it he, was. Did he do okay? Has he, has he done fairly well? Uh, 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 actually, from what you just were telling us, he was never the same person again. Never. Exactly. And he was 18 years old yep. at that time. Yes, and that makes another really, really important point, which is that – uh, putting aside our discussion about the military, who also are fairly young people. Yes, yes. So many young, you know, but so many young people. I mean, look at the look how many car accidents that happen every day, and I call it kind of the silent epidemic and the grim reaper because you know if you turn on the TV in any county in any state, in any place in the United States of America tonight, you will hear about a car accident somewhere. Somebody was killed. Somebody was injured, and mm-hmm. and somebody who was injured often gets overlooked. But that somebody who was injured could have been your friend's son. I mean, a brain injury, he doesn't heal like a broken bone. And I don't think no. people understand that. You know, mm-hmm. they, they think, oh, you know, the person got injured, you know, they'll get better. Well, no, not no, 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 not, not with the brain. It's a tricky, tricky thing. It is. And if people understood that, I think they would take better care of their brains. You know, we, we were kind of reckless in many ways, uh, you know, we would, in, in terms of not wearing seatbelts and not wearing helmets and driving too fast and, uh, you know, not being prudent <laughs> yeah. under different kinds of conditions. And then, you know, you get a brain injury and there ain't no coming back from that. You know, I mean, that's it. You just don't Mm-mm. get a second chance. Well, it has just it has to be so difficult for children to to de- I mean, deal with another adult that uh, has, mm-hmm. you know, mood and uh, temperament issues. Uh, let alone children. That's why we wrote the book because we agree mm-hmm. with you completely that, you know, mm-hmm. you're right. I mean, as a spouse, it's going to be hard enough when your husband or wife is somebody different than who you married. That's and maybe right. now they're like a child or maybe now they're irritable and, and moody and, you know, and, mm-hmm. but like you said, imagine being a child, imagine being five or six years old and your father and mother goes off to war and comes back different and, and different in a way that upsets the harmony in your home. And mm-hmm. 
you know, you're just a little kid. How, like you said, how do you, how do you, how do you come to terms with that? How do you make sense out of that? And uh, Have, that's why we thought, well, let's write this. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's wonderful. Um, listeners, if, if some of you are just joining in, we're talking about a book called my dad got hurt. What can I do? And it's for helping military children cope with a brain injured parent. And it's by Dr. Jared Fisher. Do you happen to know offhand what the percentage is of of brain injured uh, veterans that return from war? Have they ever done any do, statistics actually. on it? They have actually, and I I, uh, I can't quote them chapter and verse. I actually have them in a talk because I do quite a bit of lecturing to lawyers who defend our veterans. I actually do it as a pro ah. bono. I'm going to do it for free for them because I believe again strongly in that. But uh, there's a D- Department of Defense has all of those numbers can tell you that uh, since the first Gulf war to the present time, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of injuries. Now, again, as we talked about earlier, they vary from mild to very severe, uh, but we're, we're talking about this, this is affecting a lot of people. And let me just also add that we don't fully understand yet the full and long-term implications of multiple blast injuries and you know, our veterans often, when they're serving, may be exposed to one or more blasts. So the numbers are significant, and they are concerning. And, you know, we, in, in terms of the end of it that I was just talking about, they come back here, and lots of times they get in trouble uh, with the legal system. Again, because these injuries have altered their, their personalities and their behavior. Mm. Are they medicated? Good question. Yes, some are. And medications are one way to help chemically restrain some of these behaviors. Uh, mm-hmm. And certainly there are some very good medications out there. You know, this is an important question because uh, otherwise the issue is if you can't control these behaviors, then, you know, how do you eventually allow them? How, how do these people get along? How do they move through society? Or if they've committed a crime, why would a jury be lenient with them if they think maybe they would do it again? And, you know, so it's important that people understand that there are medications and there are physicians that are expert at pharmacology who can help these individuals control these behaviors. And also, I think an important part of that is also education and therapy. Um, you know, the brain is capable of learning many compensatory tools. And again, it's a mystery. What we know about the brain today and what we're going to know 100 years from now, and, you know, if we could talk 100 years from now, we probably would have a very different discussion than we're having tonight. So I'm hopeful that we'll continue to learn more and more about mm-hmm. the neurosciences. Does it, does it uh, benefit them to try to build new wiring in the brain uh, by learning new skills? It does. And, and there is the potential for some new wiring, even though you know, uh, there was some belief that you never had new neuronal growth. There is potential growing of nerve fibers in the brain. And there's also ways to learn compensatory strategies. So even if you can't necessarily grow new brain cells, you can learn other ways, other pathways, because the brain is amazing. I mean, it has so many different pathways that maybe we learn a new way to do an old thing using different pathways or different mm-hmm. techniques. Mm-hmm. And the other beautiful thing about the world we live in today, you know, we can, we can talk about the pros and cons of our electronic devices and all the, the tools that have uh, popped up in the last 10 years, but one thing I will say is that many of these become almost electronic prostheses for people with brain injuries, you know, memory mm-hmm. reminders and all kinds of things that we mm-hmm. didn't have before. 
So a good therapist can work with a brain-injured person to, number one, help them relearn techniques, new ways to do it, and to use these compensatory tools uh, to, to overcome limitations that they otherwise would not be able to overcome. Yeah, I I had the pleasure of interviewing uh, Dr. Arden. He was the um, he's the author of the book called The Brain Bible. You might get it. Yes. Uh, yeah. You know it. I am. I'm. I'm. I, I. I'm familiar with it. I can't tell you that I've uh, read it, but I'm, I've mm-hmm. heard of it. Very yes. good. Yeah. It's it's very yeah. good. Um, and it particularly uh, addresses the aging brain. Yes. And and what to do? Good to, question. Yeah. Yes. That's what it. That's well, we have that going on too in the society. We've got a lot of baby boomers getting older. So, yeah, I mean, that's a whole other <laughs> issue about exactly. aging brains. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. I, Do you uh, have anything? I see you know, a lot of um, that. And I, I see a lot you of see a lot what? those sorts of issues. Oh, I, I, yes. I, I, <laughs> Uh, oh my gosh! Yeah, your your profession runs the gamut. I'm sure. Well, just keep that brain active. I'm absolutely. I believe the brain is kind of like a muscle. You got to keep using it, just like your body. Right. You got to keep moving. Right. You know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Well, do you have uh, anything else that you'd like to add about your book? I know that um, the listeners would like to know where yep. they could obtain it. Yes. Uh, let me just say this about the book. And number one, we are we are giving the book away to military families. So if uh, number, if your listeners are not in the military and they want to support uh, us giving the book away, they can buy it on Amazon. It, these days, I think it's only a couple of dollars on Amazon. It's actually they marked the price down. I think it's uh, last time I looked, it's like two dollars and fifty cents. So they, oh, okay. they can buy it on Amazon, and they can buy it knowing that. The you know the the purchase will go towards we don't get any money in the foundation we don't make money we just defray right. the cost of it so that's one thing if you are a member of the military uh, you certainly can reach out uh, to me uh, for a copy of the book and you can reach me through my website it's just my name it's Jared Fisher J E R I D Fisher F I S H E R dot com they go to my website they can send me a note if they're an organization that represents the military and they'd like more than a couple copies, we can certainly make that available as well. Our goal is to get this book out to the people who need it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your very, very busy day. (laughs) Well, you too. Thank you so much for having me on. You're, you're so welcome. You're doing wonderful work. Keep it up. Thanks so much. Thanks for your support. Nice to talk with okay. you. Thank you. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. That uh, sums up our show for today. Please join us again next Wednesday. We'll have another wonderful, wonderful guest for you, as we always do, and we never disappoint. Until then, be well. Bye-bye. We celebrate our listeners worldwide and invite you to contact Denise at www.healthmedianow.com with any questions you may have and follow her on Twitter at Health Media Now and Facebook at Health Media Now. For those interested in an advertising campaign on her show, contact Lisa at knowledgeworkspub.com. Be sure to visit Got Cancer? Now What? for information on Denise Messenger's award-winning book, Got Cancer? Now What?